0: Hello there, friends. This time on the Forever Classic podcast, we have Dave Oshry on the show from New Blood Interactive. I highly recommend you check out their games. They're really fun, especially their two takes on retro first-person shooters, that being Dusk and a Medieval. Dave also throws out some really good recommendations, including a retro one that apparently we really should not have missed. I really hope you enjoy this episode because this one has definitely taken an awful lot of time to edit, and we've had a lot going on at Forever Classic and behind the scenes, especially with me doing a lot of work over at marooners rock and my day job as an accountant so things have been really really hectic i got sick at one point and please just enjoy this episode we've got a lot more cool stuff on the way it's just a matter of sitting down and editing it all together so please as always stay cool and enjoy the forever classic podcast
1: podcast the show seeking enlightenment through video games films and other geek culture With me today is Alex, as usual.
0: Hey, what's up?
1: And Alex, do you want to introduce our special guest today?
0: We have somebody who I've been meaning to talk to for a while now, because I've been low-key following their games for, I don't know, the past year and a half or so. We have Dave Oshry. yeah. And Dave, of course, is mostly known for his work on Dusk on PC and, I think, a couple consoles by now, isn't it? Or is it just PC so far?
2: Just PC, coming to Switch, and then Xbox, PlayStation, Ouya, Genesis, you name it.
0: (laughs) Ah, the Ouya, That's, that's the real ticket. <laughs>
2: oh yeah. That's we're gonna we're gonna make bank on that one. I'm I'm really I'm really I'm really counting on that one.
0: <laughs> and of course you are the what
2: is it, the co founder of New Blood Interactive? Yeah, co founder, CEO, head dude whatever
0: nice and you guys got some really excellent games i've been playing through the library for the past week or so and there's some really great titles in there and we'll kind of get into those and just kind of ask you some general questions but zach what have you been up to man it's been a while since we've sat down at the mic
1: a lot of things um currently i have been just kind of doing discord and website maintenance we've got a a lot of articles out pumping that website full of content which is nice and it's starting to bear fruit especially with your review of uh 1980x
0: yeah we got some massive hits on that that was crazy
1: we did that put us up almost a thousand views in a day and that was something that we were not expecting
0: yeah so that was really cool i think uh posting that to reddit and a couple of the like facebook groups i'm a part of really pushed that because somebody recommended it on one of the retro gaming groups and i'm like this looks neat this is ten dollars i'll spend an evening playing this and i was actually really surprised by it
1: yeah, it looked amazing. And everybody I've shown the article to, is, like personally, have been really interested in it.
0: Nice. That's a cool little project. 1980XXX. 19XX.
1: 19XX? Oh, I thought it was in 198X. Well, oh, maybe. I don't know.
0: <laughs> I'll have to look at it.
1: But um, that, and been trying to do a couple of new Destiny things, because they have their moments of triumph. Nice. And just life... <laughs> life is life i've got a whole lot of stuff going on with work so it's keeping me busy and moving i'm sure
2: <laughs> wait 19, I'm 1980x came out
1: yeah
0: it's out wasn't,
2: yeah, that, a, it's wasn't out. that that kickstarter thing uh-huh yeah i backed that when did that come out what
1: <laughs> like a month ago
2: uh yeah sometime in son yeah, of a bitch in... i gotta go guys i gotta go play that it looks awesome <laughs> it, it takes you about two or three hours so we can wait <laughs> yeah it's just what is it oh it's oh it's part one okay so they're releasing it in parts Oh, I was hoping that was the case. That's weird. Ooh, the, the reviews are not great. Uh-huh. I thought it was cool. So it's like it's like I every thought... it's like every genre all in one, right? It's like part
0: racing game, part RPG, part beat-em-up. Yeah, 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 yeah. It, it's really cool. It's like a narrative that really hits home for anybody that kind of grew up in the 90s and were kind of like... Oh, you
2: know, yeah, totally. Like, and the yeah, pixel art or... looks great. I'm going to have to... I'm going to have to... I should... I probably have a code for it because I backed it on
0: Kickstarter, so yeah. yeah. You should. I oh, would yeah. hope
2: so. <laughs> I'm going to mess with that. I've been playing... I've been finally catching up on Deus Ex... Mankind divided. Oh, all right. All
0: my- I've actually never played a DSX game. Like, I if,
1: have not and- either. I've never what? played it.
0: A- <laughs> what? What the fuck kind of retro podcast is this? Look, we our PC knowledge is not. Forever great. classics, okay, <laughs> and
2: uh, the fucking uh, DSX probably one of the most classic games of all time. Okay, sure, guys. Forever classic my ass. (laughs) Dave isn't
0: coming back. This is the first and last time he'll be on the show. (laughs) This is an outrage. (laughs) So definitely that needs to be put on our list. I'm gonna make a note of that. Deus Ex, fucking play it. Gotcha.
2: Well, I mean, the original, I mean, even all modded up, it's pretty archaic and, you know, kind of hard to get back into. Kind of like the same as the old System Shock games. I'd say Shock 2 is pretty good to get into these days, but Shock 1 remake and Deus Ex 1, just the controls and stuff feel so archaic, but you can get But at least play the new ones. You should play, you know, Human Revolution, the 2011 one, and then Mankind Divided, which was 2016.
0: God, I might have these games. I think I've got them on 360 or something.
1: There are ones I've never played, and not many of the people around me played them. I eyeballed them for, like, ever, but I just never took the leap into grabbing them. So I'm really aware I just never actually have done any of them.
0: That's how I am with a lot of classic PC shooters, and I guess we'll kind of get into that here in a little bit, but my knowledge of PC shooters kind of revolved around what I was seeing on X-Play and uh, the G4 channel and such. So I was, like, always aware of a lot of different aspects of it, but I never sat down to actually play a lot of them until here recently. Yeah,
2: I mean, I think you guys are just younger than me as well.
0: Yeah, I'm 27. (laughs) Ah, you're a baby. I'm I'm 35.
1: (laughs) I'm 29. I mean...
2: I'm getting there. I was your age. I was playing Duke Nukem
0: 3D with keyboard
2: controls only.
0: Oh, wow. Damn. I've tried keyboard controls only. It's so strange as, like, somebody who's played...
2: I mean, I remember back when, so back in, like, the early mid-90s, WASD wasn't, like, the standard yet, and so we mostly played with the arrow keys and then, you know, spacebar and stuff, and then... You know, a lot of the times what I would do and other people like forward and stuff would be bound to like mouse two, stuff like that. And you'd have like your hands on the arrow keys and then your hands on the mouse to move around. And it feels weird now, like with WASD and mouse look being like standard, which was what you know, Quake introduced. Yeah, back then it was like the mouse was barely a thing. And I remember games like Thief, like, and I remember I had, yeah, I'd have stuff like jump bound to my mouse and move forward bound to my mouse. Huh. And if and that's what wow. felt normal to me, and people were like, no, W wasd now is for a thing i'd be like what no that doesn't feel right
0: oh, oh,
2: oh. times have a change
0: i heard that <laughs> some dude just like was experimenting with wasd for some tournament or something and that ended up slowly being adopted by some of the other games I, I read it in an article or something i don't know if there's any validity to it
2: yeah i mean now it just makes so much sense right i mean just look at yeah. where your hands are it's like that's on that side your hands on the mouse your thumbs right where the space bar is it just I don't know how we did anything before that as well.
0: Ever since, like, the NES and probably before that, if you want to get real technical about it, your movement is typically mapped to your left hand and your actions are mapped to your right. So, yeah, it does kind of make sense.
2: Yeah, it was the same thing with consoles. I remember, I forget what the first game was to have, like, um, there was an article. It wasn't Halo. I think it was a game before Halo where, yeah, it was definitely before that. It was for the original... Xbox, I, feel like, I forget what game it was, yeah it could have been, it was I think before Halo it was an Aliens game or something, and there was a whole review like that was like in, um, in one of the big magazines where it's like the control scheme really weird, you use one thumbstick to look around and the other one to move, like we're, nobody's ever done this before, and it was just like
0: now that's completely the standard. <laughs> that was Aliens on the PS1 if I'm not mistaken. And, yeah, and yeah. It, was, like, it was just
2: like this is wild, like you look around with one thumbstick and you move with the other, <laughs> it's like yeah. Can you imagine doing anything else now with a controller?
0: I love looking at older reviews specifically for that, because there's a lot of weird insight that we just don't get anymore.
1: Uh, Yeah, Yeah, no, that that stuff sounds absolutely bonkers to me. I play everything that I do inverted and that is bonkers to a lot of my friends and I couldn't imagine telling them that they can't use their mouse and they only can use the keys on their board.
2: Oh, I can't do inverted. The only thing I can do inverted is flight controls because it feels uh-huh. wild otherwise, but I can't play like normally inverted, especially when we have um we do shows and stuff like PAX uh and people will come up and like change the controls to inverted and like won't tell us and won't set them back and then you got people sitting down like this game's
1: broken. <laughs> <laughs> nah, see I uh when I was younger I could not play... I was really, really terrible at like playing games technically. I didn't understand them until I was like 15. I still am. But <laughs> but I, I finally was like, well, I can't get this switch between a plane and a person. I was like, I'm just going to make them the same thing. Ever since then, I just stuck with inverted. I felt like I had more like granular control. I mean, I didn't understand that at the time, but that's definitely what it is now. And it just, I can't imagine doing anything else. Except for when I'm on computer, I cannot do anything inverted. Hmm. If I'm using a mouse, it has to be just normal.
0: That's interesting. I'm the same way when it comes to flight controls. For whatever reason, it just feels way better to have the inverted look. I guess it's because naturally that's how flight works. Like you pull back on the stick to go up or adjust your yaw or whatever.
2: Yeah, because you know us, we're, we're actual pilots we're not flying fighter jets we're playing
0: video games so we know about yeah oh. that was that was in the secret parts of the notes we're gonna have to edit that out uh, but... <laughs> shit, yeah. Yeah, I'm actually I'm actually a stunt double for Top Gun too. oh okay yeah I've, I've worked with those producers they're good guys <laughs> yeah yeah yeah
2: Tom Cruise just a just a really nice guy
0: ah, here he is but yeah so my kind of like background with retro shooters for whatever reason I'm fascinated by them but I don't have a whole lot of actual experience with them because I never had a pc worth a shit so nowadays i'm playing all these like retro shooters ported over to steam and things that are inspired by retro shooters and just having an absolute blast Uh,
2: it's a fun genre that Mm -hmm. is for sure
0: but since you guys seem to be kind of masters of this genre like what do you think the most appealing aspects of the retro fps really are just
2: the fact that you know it's it's about you know leading the player without holding their hand giving them options and ways to play through the levels designing really fun encounters letting the player just do whatever the fuck they want and have fun like this big dance of death that was perfected with games like doom and quake and blood and stuff like that just you know dancing around and having crazy fun in the levels and you know finding secrets non-linear stuff making the player feel clever uh, when you figure something out, just all that stuff that you got in all these different games in the 90s and early 2000s that were just different than the big budget stuff that you get today. And I mean, I like, you know, I'm a big fan of, you know, linear scripted stuff, too. Like, I love the Metro games. I love that kind of stuff. But, you know, there's something about, you know, the games we played growing up and how much freedom they allowed you and how much fun you could have. And how you had you know think on your feet, um, and how you can always surprise the player with different things, and you know change it up level to level, right? Like in Dust, we've got like levels that are just completely bonkers, and then some that play completely straight. We can do that because you can basically do whatever the hell you want between from level to level, because you know it's not we're not trying to make one cinematic experience. Like sure, we've got a story and everything's connected, but you can change stuff up so much. Like with Dust, for example, you know think about Episode one, and then the stuff we do in Episode three, it's like it's almost like a completely different game. But you can do that because you only have to design, you know, level-to-level, moment-to-moment gameplay, and you can have so much fun with it. Um, and I think that's taken back on all the shooters from the 90s, you know, the Build Engine games and the Quake games and stuff like, even like Half-Life and stuff like that. We're not going to talk about Zen, but like, you know, different moments and different, <laughs> e- different episodes, you know, you could you could have fun with it and get weird. And you remember, everybody's got a different favorite part of these games, you know, uh, and I think you know, the stuff we're doing or the stuff we've done. I mean, it's not like, you know, it's not like our thing. We just happen to do Dusk and then a medieval. It's not like, you know, we started the company to do retro shooters. It's just we make the games that we like right the kind of games that we like right, working yeah. on and none of the stuff we've got coming up now is a retro shooter thankfully cuz i'm like kind of over them cuz like there's been so many and we we just got done working on two and there's like so many more to play now um so we're working on more like horror stuff right now Ooh. but it's it's fun i mean everything goes in cycles right and we're kind of getting back to that like N64 PS1 late 90s early 2000s era now whereas you know a few years ago everything was like NES SNES pixel art everything goes in cycles Music fashion games everything right so now we're kind of getting to that part where the guys like us who grew up playing these games are now old enough to make the games and like meet the people who like made them which is wild and that's kind of where we're at and it's it's been fun like are we making like millions of dollars you know and selling like millions of copies no but you know we make games that we really like that our players really like there's enough of an audience for us to keep doing it and you know be a profitable fun company and not have to worry about shit and it's it's good life is good can't complain right
0: so i guess you guys are really kind of fascinated there for all with the retro fbs what sort of area of gaming are you guys interested in now because i saw two games on the way tonight we riot and i think laser type and those didn't have steam listings yet. yeah those were in
2: development for a while. Uh, well, Laser Type tonight we riot is uh, getting there on Switch. It's about it's just so it's Switch. It's a Switch only game right now. Oh, okay. I actually just played through the whole thing the other night, and that's getting there. And then uh, Laser Type was so VR typing game that we've kind of turned into a VR typing rhythm Beat Saber type game. Um, oh, it also cool. works in non VR. And it was coming along really well, and then the, our lead programmer on that got a job at Disney on Galaxy's Edge. Whoa. The, you know, the the new Star Wars park at Disneyland. Nice. So he's one of the main programmers for their new ride. I forget what the ride is, you know, the new Millennium Falcon big, you know, ride that they got there. So he's been doing that for, like, the past two years. So that's one's kind of, like, on indefinite hiatus until his... Uh, his contract with Disney's up, and I think he said like September. But I'd love to get that going again. What else we got? We got a couple of unannounced things. Working on like a Thiefy System Shock 2e type uh, survival horror.
0: I've been following that guy, the guy who's like the main dev or something. Yeah, that's Dylan. doing the Thief game. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Bloomwood.
2: Um, it's not really. So we haven't really announced it yet, but it's not. It's like an open secret for anyone that follows us, and we're we're really excited about that because that's another one of those genres that we really really miss. Stuff like the they call them immersive Sims. I think that's the dumbest name ever. I used to call them F- I used to call them <laughs> FPS RPGs when I was growing up you know these are games like Deus Ex System Shock Thief I love Thief and we all yeah. love Thief so much if Dusk was um, like an um, an homage to like all the shooters from the 90s Bloomwood is an homage to all the looking glass immersive FPS RPGs of the 90s so games like Thief and System Shock And there's definitely bits of like uh, Resident Evil and stuff like that survival horror in there so that's I think that's gonna be our kind of like our main thing later this year next year and then of course Maximum Action which yeah. I'm sure you seen, which is our send-up of all things bullet time uh, and ragdoll physics and janky Nonsense. So if you liked games like Max Payne and Dead to Rights, and also mods like the Specialists for you know Half Life and stuff like this, Double Action Boogaloo, Maximum Action is just silly, ridiculous.
0: <laughs> it reminds me of like GoldenEye meets yes. uh, Super
2: Hot. Uh, sure, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, that's yeah, absolutely. It's got very GoldenEye vibes. It, we're, it's supposed to. The whole look is supposed to really invoke like our early Source Engine mods and stuff like that. So like the Half Life One era, um, and then combined with all the crazy Ragdoll physics and bullet time of the old Max Payne games. <laughs> it's pretty wild. Yeah, it's just, it's it's really dumb fun. We added workshop support, so it's got custom maps and custom uh, weapons and there's just all, people have been making, like, putting weapons from, like, all kinds of games in there and all kinds of different things. Like, we got all the weapons from, like, Vice City and Payday and somebody put a pencil in because, you know, John Wick once killed three motherfuckers with a pencil yep. and there's like there's all kinds of dumb shit all the doom weapons and then we're just that so that game's like really fun for us to work on because we're just adding more levels and more weapons and you know changing the movement and george is really good at um you know making new guns and new animations for him And he's only 18 the guy that made maximum action george when we first played it because he wasn't like a member of new blood you know uh we first played it we're like oh my god we all everybody at the at the company played it and we're like yo we love this game who makes this thing we figured it was like some slav in a basement in you know in Siberia. And it turns out it's an 18-year-old college kid from San Diego who lives like 20 minutes from me. I was like, what? <laughs> so I got in touch with him, and I went and met up with him, and I took him out to lunch. And I was like, dude, we love your game. We'd, like, love to work on it. he was like, "Oh, sick. Like, uh, I'm starting my first semester of college. I was like, what?
0: Holy crap, he's a freshman. Yeah, he started working on oh, wow. started Working
2: on games when, when he was, like, six years old. Started doing animations when he was, like, nine. Holy crap. And he's so young that the main inspiration for Maximum Action's physics was not Max Payne 1 or 2. It was Max Payne Oh wow! Which came out in 2012, (laughs) when he was uh, when he was I guess what 12 years old, which is nuts. That's how yeah, I am literally twice his age, and now we're making him lots of money, which is cool. He's I think he's already paid off his student loans thanks to Maxle Action which is pretty rad.
0: That is excellent.
2: So we've got that going on, and then I don't know a bunch of unannounced shit, but we're having fun. You know, people ask like, well, how do you like come up with the games you work on? Like, how do you decide? Do you like look at trends and stuff and market data? I'm like, what? We just make whatever the fuck we want, and hopefully people like
0: it. That seems like a pretty good philosophy, and I wish more and more publishers and developers would kind of stick to that. Yeah, I mean,
2: it's hard when you got, like, you know, we don't have, like, any investors or, you know, shareholders and shit. We don't have to get stuff out to meet deadlines and... Obviously, the big publishers and developers do have to do that stuff. So that's the cool thing about being at the indie level—we can kind of just do whatever the hell we want. Awesome, awesome.
0: So, when did you guys kind of start working on Dusk? Then, like, how long was that in development before kind of people got a hold of it? David
2: had the idea for Dusk when he was like 14, uh, but he didn't really get around to it for you know another 10. 10- 20 years. He started working on it, I guess, in late 2015, and in 2016. Uh, well, I, did, I didn't know him at that point. He had made some, you know, some walking, uh, walking sim survival horror games. And at some point in 2016, early 2016, he tweeted at me. And this, this dude had like, you know, it's like a brand new Twitter account that like he followed like three people. It was Tom Hall, John Romero, and me. I was, like, <laughs> I was like, sure. He tweeted at me, and he was like, Hey, I'm working on a game. You might like it. Here, he DM'd me and he sent me a build. Um, and that build's public now. We put it out there. It was just one room and some stuff you can do and some guns you could shoot. You could like turn on the sink and you know, open some chests and jump around. But it was already like, it felt basically just like Dusk feels now with the exception of some stuff. And I was like, this is special. There's really something here. We got a deal together in 2016 and he came on uh, and he had, <laughs> he was tuning pianos for a living at that point. And he had never been on a plane before, uh, and I got them to fly out to QuakeCon to show the game for the first time. We hadn't announced it yet, but we had made, like, one endless level, and we started showing it to people, and they were, like, really excited about it. And I was like, we've got something really special here, and we built it out from that one-room demo into, like, this three-episode, you know, full-on game over the next... Two, three years and we were originally going to launch in like october we're, we really want to hit october halloween 2017 and we didn't come out until um whatchamacallit it, uh, december 10th 2018 which is the 25th anniversary of doom which is still
0: pretty cool. that is pretty apt
1: Ooh,
2: yeah that was very much on purpose you know, because we we were trying to pick a date, and we were like, we're, the game was like basically ready. We all we still wanted to hit Halloween twenty eighteen, but it wasn't quite there. and We didn't want to put it out too early. Like we probably would have gotten like some more reviews and coverage had we hit Halloween, because December is kind of a dead time because everyone's on vacation. But it's also a good time to release, because you had the Steam Winter Sale and stuff. And we did very well. But I was like, we had we we're trying to pick a date, and I was like, yo, should we do December tenth? And people were like, isn't that like that's that's Doom, right? And I was like, yeah, it's the twenty fifth anniversary of Doom, and and they were like, is that like is that blast. For me, or is that like a really cool idea? I'm like, I think it's a really cool idea, uh, and I called up my friends at Id Software in Bethesda, and I was like, Hey, we're gonna, you know, we're gonna launch Dusk on Doom's birthday, and they were like, Sick, uh, we, we, we love Dusk. Uh, I was like, Cool, could you like, you know, give us some. Cool tweets and stuff and they're like yeah sure whatever so yeah it all went really really well but it was it took a while we were all pretty burnt out if anybody's ever worked in games like that last 10% is so just getting the game finished is so hard and you're just so burnt out by them but it's so important i think i made david redo the ending like 20 times and he was just so over it trying to animate giant tentacle monsters and shit which was so out of his realm of you know capability at that point but I was like, it's you got we. I was like, we got to stick the landing. Like the ending is so important. Yeah. Like it's it's so so important. It turned out so great, and I'm so happy, and people really love it. I'm not gonna spoil it, but obviously we got big surprise twisty stuff that goes on at the end
0: of dusk. Yeah, it's pretty wild. I really had a great time with it. 20, yeah, about three years
2: or so to make dusk, and most of it was trying to get fucking multiplayer working properly. If anybody's listening to this, do not add multiplayer to your indie game for the love of God. Uh, just don't do not, it. Just don't do it. Nobody will play it. It'll take forever. You'll have to pay for servers. It's like having to update it. Like if it wasn't for Dusk World, our multiplayer mode, like Dusk would have been out on like every console already. It would have had like cross play with everything. But no, we have to keep updating the stupid multiplayer mode that two dozen people play. I mean, we love it. It's just like <laughs> we love we love our multiplayer mode. It's, it's stupid fun, but it's so not worth the time and effort. So do not add PVP multiplayer to your indie shooter, please. I, I, I implore you. Co-op, yes. PVP multiplayer, no. You know, like a medieval, like it's just a single player game. Like it's got endless modes, yeah. a single player campaign. Cool, done. The game's like done. Now we're porting it to consoles that we don't have to worry about anything, we don't have to, you know, you know, have community game nights or anything. It's just a single player game. It's great. No multiplayer. <laughs> like and like, you know, there was a few people asking for multiplayer. It's like, where then no? It's like, well, people want it. Like, you know, like five people give a shit. Like, it's <laughs> so like if just be if you get like a few tweets and comments, like, are you gonna multiplayer or just be like no. You know, it's okay. It's okay not to have multiplayer in your game because they will forget about it and move on to the next thing anyway. You know, even giant multiplayer games like are struggling to find players right now because you got to compete with like yeah. Rainbow Six Siege and Fortnite and Overwatch and you know everything else that has taken up all the millions of players in the world. Nobody's going to play your fucking indie game.
0: There are so many games out right now that demand all of your attention and it drives me nuts. It's an embarrassment.
2: Yeah. Uh, it's an embarrassment of riches, right? Uh, there's just yeah. so people like, "Why is it my multiplayer multiplayer game have players because there's so many fucking games out that have millions of players and nobody's going to play yours. Like, it's just not going to happen. Like, don't make a multiplayer game in 2019. The whole world is playing Fortnite and shit.
0: (laughs) That said, I've, I think that adding the ability to play multiplayer maps with bots is something that I really miss. Like, I played the hell out of Gears 3 like that. I would love to,
2: because that, that means people can at least play your game forever, you know? The, the yeah. death knell for games like indie multiplayer games is like, you, can't, you made an unplayable game, right? There's, there's no single player, there's nobody to play with, you just got a game sitting there that nobody can play. Uh, if you have bots at least, you can still always play that game, you know? You can at least... Shoot stuff. Uh, I think of a game uh, that Futuremark made called Shattered Horizon. I don't know if you remember that. Um, it was kind of like a low gravity fighting FPS on the moon type of game where you're like you know floating around in space shooting people and like you know it kind of died off pretty quickly, but it's got bots, so you can always play it.
1: Right, that's one of the things I really enjoyed about um, Red, uh, not Red Dawn, Red Faction?
2: Oh, Red Faction, yeah, yeah, yeah. Red
1: Faction, yeah, because we, we love turning the bots on, and then we'd crank them up to, like, overkill difficulty and just see what we could do.
2: Yeah, I'd love to get bots going for uh, Dusk World, maybe one day. I mean, we really, we're really focused on uh, the GOG version, which should be out uh, in the next week or so, and then uh, Switch port, because if one more person asks me about the goddamn Switch version, I'm going to lose my mind. <laughs> That's like every
0: indie game. Course, like we really right want it out
2: on that system. Nintendo really likes it. Like our players really want it. It'd be cool to like I don't know make some money. So like we're we're stoked on it. I want it to be out on Switch, but we've just been so busy with all this other shit. And people forget we're like people think we're like a real company. Like I run this. I'm like in my apartment right now. It's like we don't have an office. <laughs> we're opening an office like because uh, we've done well. So I'm gonna open an office for like five of our guys. But like people are like what? what's taking this goddamn company so long? I'm like we're like four dudes.
0: <laughs> Chill out. Come on, there's only so many of us. And I imagine most of your guys' work is done online remotely. Yeah, we, I mean, we use Discord for everything. You know,
2: we do our weekly meetings and we, you know, set all our tasks and we have channels. And we're all just like, we're not like a publisher, you know, we're not like a devolver where we just publish games. We develop everything in-house and we're all, you know, we all just work out of one, out of one server and everybody kind of, you know, works on and helps out with all the other games. And we just kind of, you know, know, we go week to week just the stuff we're working on for each game and, you know, kind of set our tasks like what we're working on. And put stuff out as we can and then I go out and, you know, promote it as best I can and and we just keep going. It's just one day at a time basically you know we don't have any like grand plans you know we just keep doing what we're doing just slowly figure and better
0: every time and it seems like it's working out cuz i think i actually noticed you guys from twitter and it seems like that's one of your best tools
2: yeah i mean i mean i'm a you know i'm a dumbass on twitter and uh you know we're pretty good at it it's, you know just cuz it's social's fun like and one of the things we do that i like is we only stick to a few platforms we don't worry about you know like instagram and reddit and shit like that we're like if you have an issue or a question post it on the steam forums or the gog forums if you want to talk to us directly come to discord our discord and if you you know want to keep up to date with all our dumb shit follow us on twitter and that's it you know we try to keep a very small funnel because otherwise it's too much to manage you know if we had like And Instagram, and we like ran our own, you know, Reddit communities and all that shit, or we're on other people's Discords. It's like, no, you want to find us, you come here. And that's been, you know, we've got a pretty big, we've got like eleven thousand people on the Discord now. All of our Twitters for all the games and developers have thousands of followers and stuff, and we cross post. And then, you know, we keep our Steam forums and reviews like very well managed. You know, we we respond to people almost immediately if they've got problems, and that's it. You know, and and it works. It's not too much to manage. Nothing goes ignored, and we try to make sure that if people want to talk to us. questions about us or our games were easy to find and we're open. People say, like, don't read the comments, just, you know, blah, blah, blah. Like, I say, read every comment, read every negative review, take it in, you know, try to talk to people, see what's up. And it's worked for us so far, but also, like, we're small, so it's, uh it's so far, so good.
1: Nah, that's awesome, though.
0: Yeah, I know, we've dabbled in multiple social media channels, and I always just kind of default to Twitter. It's the one that I understand the most. <laughs> yeah, same, like, I, I could,
2: I don't give a shit about, like, Snapchat or Instagram or, yeah. like, any of that stuff. I mean, Facebook, we've got Facebooks and stuff, but that's just, you know, for posting, like, big updates. I mean, Facebook's dead for small businesses and stuff. They make you pay just to, like, engage with the people who already like your page. And it works for, like, you know, you can drop some money and boost posts and get some engagement on, like, giveaways and stuff, because we like to do giveaways. But other than that, Facebook is just for posting pictures of my dog.
0: I do like your
2: dogs. How are they doing? They're good. Well, Roxy's having surgery next week. Bear's fine. He's going to live to be, like, 25. Like, the world's loudest beagles. He'll live forever. (laughs) Roxy's getting a hip replacement, so she's kind of sad right now, but she'll be fine in a few weeks after the surgery.
0: That's good, because I know I always see, like, the Roxy joke Twitter account come in.
2: <laughs> like, one of our players, there's, like, two of our community guys that run that account, and it's just, like, it's so funny. Like, I, I'm, I'm, like, tweeting at a fake account for my dog. Like, <laughs> like, and every, like, I'm tagging this fake account for my dog in pictures of my actual dog. It's just, like, <laughs> it's like I go and I'll, like, play with my dog, and I'm thinking about, like, this fake Twitter that one of our players runs
0: <laughs> it's just like god damn it i love that one and i love the what is it the new blood. text. that one's oh yeah yeah
2: yeah that one's hilarious that's um well I, it's not like a secret who runs that one but yeah he's uh he's a funny dude he does a lot of meme accounts and he's he's very good with like photoshop and um different video editors and stuff so he makes that's like that's high quality memeage <laughs> stuff yeah, we, we've we got such a cool community that makes all we get fan art, people bring us like physical things at shows, we've got players who like made rats from Dusk out of like old mice, uh, they bring us art and you know, we get all, we, I've got, people have been tattooing Dusk on themselves because I mean I made some stupid tweet that like, hey, anybody who gets a dust tattoo, I'll pay you four hundred twenty dollars and sixty nine cents. And then a bunch of people went out and made tattoo appointments, and I was like, oh no, it's gonna cost me thousands of dollars. <laughs> but yeah, people are out there getting dust tattoos. There've already been a few. There were people doing that before I started paying for them. I mean, hey, that's cheap advertising. That's like for life. I got people, you know, with dusk. yeah, yeah, it's, you know, it's cheaper than a billboard. And it's it's been really cool to see the people that really like our stuff. So we're gonna we're gonna keep doing what we do the
0: only way we know how. What's your favorite community moment that's happened so far? That's a good one. I
2: don't know, probably when... I think the original Dusk early access launch we all got in voice chat for our main discord which is nuts If you've never heard like 150 people in one discord voice call at once it was like absolute mayhem and everybody counted down like it was new year's <laughs> that was pretty fun i think we did that again too recently i jumped in why did we jump in voice for i think it was the medieval launch or something kind of did like a like a kind of ama it's fun like i don't get in there too often because i'd just be non-stop questions but uh I love interacting with our community and our players, and that's why we do shows and stuff, right? Just getting out there, talking to people, watching them play the games, getting feedback, selling some merch, having a good time. I mean, I'm I'm very relieved we're not going to PAX West this year because I'm just I'm just so fucking over. And shows and stuff like we just we just launched two games, put one in early access. Also, we don't have a lot of people in the Pacific Northwest, so like we definitely prefer to do PAX East. That makes sense. Most of our guys are in Boston and PA and you know in the Northeast. You know I'm from New York, so we'll definitely probably be back at PAX East. But I'm busy moving to New Zealand, so I, like I definitely do not have time to go fuck around in Seattle. This will be the first PAX West. Well, it used to be Pax Prime that I haven't been to. I think I've been to every one for the last eleven years. This is like the first one I'm
1: missing. Damn, that's a long running.
0: All right, so something something weird just happened that I haven't seen since I moved out here. For context, I live in Juneau, Alaska. Oh wow. And it just thundered. Okay. That doesn't happen. That's fucking weird. Now the dogs are freaking out. Like. <laughs> yeah, maybe it's the uh, the elder gods are trying to tell you something. Goddamn climate change is what it is.
2: <laughs> come <for> us all. <laughs>
0: But yeah, I've really enjoyed kind of like, I'm a sort of passive part of the Dusk community because like I play it and I love it and I follow all the Twitters and stuff and I get a big kick out of it. But it has been really cool to see like all the different fan art, especially of like Dusk in particular, I think it's got some really cool fan art because there's a lot of like 80s horror, Redneck Rampage stuff kind of going on. And I'm from West Virginia, so like Appalachian stuff has always been kind of intriguing to me. And it's cool to see people like put that dark spin on it. Oh yeah. Now I guess the the other question that I have as far as like favorite moments, because community. community. Community moments, it seems like the launch has been a big deal for you guys, but what's your favorite, like, gameplay moment that you all have worked on? Like, in in the games? Yeah, like, a particular encounter, or your favorite weapon, or, you know, what has been something that really sticks out?
2: The endings of both Dusk and the Medieval, because we worked really hard on them, and I had a lot of input on them especially dusk uh like i love what we did with the ending and i love what we did with the ending of a medieval i'm not going to spoil it for you because i know you're playing it right now yeah a lot of the things with these retro shooters they didn't really have like stories or endings and stuff back then like do you remember the ending of like duke 3d and stuff like it wasn't like it's just like you kind of just got to the end of the game but i i tried to um make sure we craft like at least more like plausible fun you know story-based you know, experiences here. Like, I want the games to have a beginning, middle, and an end. You know, we're not writing, like, deep narrative here, but, you know, at least, you know, you've, you've got a. You know, a journey to go on, and you want the end of it to be really satisfying and fun, right? Yeah, there's some closure. Yeah, so with both Dusk and a Medieval, you want to finish a game and be like, nice. The credits roll, and you're like, that was fucking, that was dope. I had a good time playing that game. Money well spent. And I think with both Dusk and a Medieval, we totally nailed it. You know, two very different endings. One's kind of like a fuck you ending. One's kind of like a nice, happy ending. And I like both. I actually wanted a Medieval to also have, like, a very fuck you ending. Because I'm just, like, <laughs> I'm just kind of obsessed with, like, fuck you endings. Where it's just like, haha, you know, very... You know, dusk, as you know, it's kind of got a. It's basically the ending of Half-Life One. Same thing, right?
0: Yeah, it's very similar. Uh, I love
2: those kind of endings where it's like you've come all this way, and now fuck you. <laughs> the medieval guys were like, no, we're not gonna do that. Let's just do like the happy ending. I was like, fine. I mean, it's not completely. There's you know, there's some stuff in there if you if you look closely. That stuff's not you know completely happy, but uh, I'm not gonna spoil it. But I like what we did with both the endings, and I think that's a big part of why the games have been received so well because they're. Both just satisfying experiences. And then with stuff like, you know, Super Galaxy Squadron, you know, we've got a, we've also got that, you know, our little pixel shmup that we're working on. We're actually bringing that to Switch too. Oh nice. Yeah, just doing uh, like the final weapon. Like I love that fight and it's so hard, we're nerfing it. But like when you get to it and like there's no health bar and the music kicks in, it's like, yeah, final boss. Yeah, I think I'm just I think I'm just obsessed with endings. <laughs> uh, but that's I, fair. I think, yeah, I think that's what really helps take a game from being good to great. Because like if you, it also when you play a game and the ending like is not good, it just sours the entire experience. Like Witcher three, for example, I got to the end after like 130 hours, and I got the bad ending. I didn't just get the bad ending; I got the worst ending, where fucking Geralt and Ciri both die. I was like, what? Oh my god. I was like, what the <laughs> fuck is this? And it turns out I got that ending because there's like five or six binary choices you make throughout the course of the game that will decide which ending you get.
0: Oh, uh, see, I never
2: got very far in The Witcher. So it's like one where I told Siri to like, you know, mess up her room instead of like doing something else. I was like, I don't know. I was just trying to choose what felt right, right? I don't use guides and stuff when I play RPGs. I try to, like, you know, go from the gut yeah. and, you know, get the ending I deserve. Right. Which I guess apparently was the bad ending. So I had to, you know, and then there was all this stuff. I was just like, really? After all that? All this? And then I went back and I changed it and I got the, like, you know, and I was able to see the other endings. But it just soured the whole experience for me. And I, you get that a lot with games with multiple endings. If you go and you get an ending you don't like and you have to go watch the other endings on YouTube, I feel like that's a shitty experience. Like, Bioshock for example like the only way to get the good ending is to like not harvest any of the little sisters or whatever you have to be like 100 percent perfect good guy the whole time but the game is at odds with you for that because you don't get as much you know uh currency or atoms, is what to, like, get your abilities. Exactly.
0: It's like running hard mode.
2: Yeah, same shit with uh, Dishonor. It's like, hey, like, and I hate these forced morality systems. Like, hey, we're gonna give you all these cool superpowers, but don't use them, because if you kill anybody, you're gonna get the bad ending. It's like, cool, you give me the ability to, like, summon rats that eat people alive, but you don't want me to use it because I'll get the bad ending? And I have to go watch the good ending or the right ending on YouTube? Like, that's not fair. So I think a lot of games over the last few years have fallen into that trap with like, you know, this forced morality in games It's just like, let me... Let me have fun. Let me do all the fun, crazy shit, and then show me. Just write one ending. It's okay for your game to have one ending. You see all these articles with the, you know, new games
0: come out. And it's like,
2: you know, the game will have 17 different endings depending on your choices. Like,
0: cool. When I hear that, I immediately think, all right, it has 17, like, kind of half-assed endings. Maybe one or two. Exactly, ones. <laughs> and none of the,
2: yeah, then one true one, right? I love, I enjoy when games, you know, use your choices to, like, give you a, a certain ending, but I love the way the old Fallout games do it, you know, where it goes through a slideshow showing you, like, what you did, what well, you know, how you affected every place you visited, and, you know, like, I remember going off, you know, like I said, I always go with my gut in games like that, so, like, Fallout 1 and 2, obviously, some of my favorite games of all time, and then New Vegas, you know, I just played it, like, off the cuff, and I remember I got to the ending and, it like, went through all these slideshows, and I'm like, this was perfect, this was a perfect ending for me, I affected every place that I went through, and you know, in the Wasteland exactly how I thought I would, and I got an ending that I'm cool with, and, like, it felt very satisfying, yeah. whereas, like, I got to that ending in The Witcher 3, and I was like, what the fuck did I do to deserve this? I don't <laughs> understand. <laughs> like, I thought I beat the game, and Geralt's dead, series dead. I'm like, really? Did I make, you know, that many bad decisions? And it turns out it was only because of, you know, four or five moments in the game where I chose one dialogue option instead of another, it totally affected the end of the game and it didn't feel deserved at all and like obviously i get that you know making a game like dusk or medieval is way different to making a game like the witcher 3 well yeah but still i mean at least with our our small scale stuff i'd rather focus on one story one ending and just making sure players are happy at the you know at the end of the day it's like 20 bucks well spent on our games
0: multiple endings is why i'd never finish chrono trigger it's it's kind of daunting to me yeah
2: but those are all, I mean, those uh, all those endings are pretty cool. And then you get the, yeah. Chrono Trigger's got the secret Square Enix developer room ending. Which...
0: Oh, yeah. The only game that I've seen do multiple endings that I think is really engaging, at least the best way I've seen, is, um... Near auto, near automata, automata. Near whatever.
2: automata. I don't know yet. Yeah, I think uh, it's yeah. You can pronounce it a few different ways. I haven't played that, but yeah. I hear it's
0: very good. It's super cool. I only got through the first like three or four endings because there's like seven main ones or something, and then you get to the end of the game, so to speak. Yeah. But what I played, I really enjoyed, and I feel like I only kind of scratched the surface. There's a lot of cool systems you can play around with.
2: Yeah, I'm doing uh, yeah, I'm doing Deus Ex right now, and those have multiple endings too. You always get to the end. Those games are always very cheap about it's like choose choose your ending. You get to like the end of the world nader, and you just basically get to go press whatever button you want to press to like see whichever ending you want but yeah the original Deus Ex did that too I'm working through Mankind Divided right now which apparently doesn't even have an ending it just ends on a cliffhanger because they didn't finish the second half of the game but whatever nice <laughs> everyone's waiting everyone's waiting for the third installment there's actually been a lot of uh, people
0: angry about it recently because it's been like you know it's been like four years
1: oh no sounds like a half-life
0: three hey i waited 10 years for final fantasy 15
2: which i liked final fantasy 15 but man that game like had they chopped and chopped that game up and stitched it back together like a whole bunch i was like how about they could
0: not stop fiddling with it and it shows (laughs) the fact that that game
2: exists at all is kind of a miracle
0: yeah really but uh, i mean i liked it i i liked the ending
2: you know the, the boys you know get their 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 big, sad ending.
0: I thought it was cool that they, like, aged. That was neat. I wish there was more of that. Yeah, I wanted to play, like, in the, you know, the
2: whole, you get to, like, the whole dark world for a minute, you're like, this is cool. There's all games over. Yeah. And then they (laughs) released those, you know, those after episodes, which were pretty cool. It helped explain some stuff. I'm like, that would have been cool if it was, like, in the game, or if, like, half the stuff was, like, explained. Like, you had to go, like, watch a movie, then play these side things, and read some comics. I was like, watch the anime. Yeah, I would just like
0: the game to explain itself in the game thank you very much my favorite instance of that is like they mentioned the insomnia being taken over by the empire or whatever in the first like couple hours of the game and that whole event is like wild awesome and it's in a movie <laughs> they read it in a fucking newspaper
2: <laughs> yeah it's really it's they stitched that they chopped it up so badly and i have friends who were like no you just gotta take in the whole experience all these different forms of media i'm like i remember when you just bought a game and the game explained its goddamn self maybe you got
0: some insight in the manual Maybe.
2: Yeah. You know, it's just like, let me just play the game. But I mean, it's, you know, it's modern japanese culture
0: speaking of endings the place i think i feel that the hardest is anime and i think you're a bit of an anime fan eh i like some you
2: know like i'm a pretty you know i'm you know not like deep into it but like i've just been watching uh jojo obviously everyone loves their jojo references and then you know stuff like um dragon ball and cowboy bebop all the stuff we watched growing up on toonami
1: (laughs) but yeah i'm not like
2: i'm not like a deep anime fan. I tried watching uh, One Punch is like, okay, it's pretty funny, but then I've tried watching stuff like what's the one with Attack on Titan? Like, I could not get, like, a few episodes in I was like, fuck these kids, they're fucking annoying crybabies, I hope they all get eaten, I'm shutting this off.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, if it makes you feel better, they probably do.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I could not get through all this, like, stupid emotional like well i'm like nope i'm good i'm not i'm not emo enough for this there's not a ton of anime but yeah obviously jojo is That's the good shit i like stuff like that
0: where in the world do you even start with jojo because i've started two or three different series and i've been like what the fuck's going on start from the beginning just start from the beginning
2: start from the first you know part one and then watch all the way through part five not that that, i mean you could do it in like you know a couple months or whatever and it changes so wildly you know part one to part three four five is just like a completely different show show. Yeah. It started in the 80s and then I mean part 5 was just animated and I think that's from 1999 the actual comics.
0: Oh wow. It's doing a berserk kind of situation. Yeah, I mean the the anime
2: the animated series are coming, you know, decade, you know, basically a decade after, you know, the comics were done,
0: but yeah.
2: I mean the source material's there you know comics don't age
0: maybe that's where all starts the manga then i don't know there's been a lot of like i have a tendency to kind of avoid anything that's really long like i don't like one piece at all yeah apparently that's like i've never seen one piece but
2: apparently it's got like 11 billion episodes or something Yeah. yeah
1: yeah one piece is ridiculous it's, it's so a, goddamn long.
2: I mean, I even it, think stuff like uh, I couldn't even get through Dragon Ball Super. And I love Dragon Ball growing up. It's just like how many? There's like how many? I like I look at the episode list. I'm like, I'm not watching a hundred fucking episodes of Dragon Ball where each one is just like a recap. Because I remember watching it when I was a kid. You know, it, it would be like week to week, almost serialized, like a you know, like a you know, next time on Dragon Ball Z. It's like, oh boy, I can't wait to. Now that you can just binge them, it's just annoying. I'm just like Dude. yeah, it doesn't but, feel as special. yeah. Twenty minutes of two dudes staring at each other and like powering up—it's like, uh, can we get to the fucking fight already? Like, I'm I'm over it. You know, I I don't have the attention span that I did when I was a
0: kid or the patience. Yeah. I tell you what though, if you haven't seen the Dragon Ball Zuper Broly film, that is some good times. Yeah, I heard it yeah. was good.
2: I watched the which I watched the Frieza one. I saw it. My friends at Funimation got me to the premiere, so I watched that in the movie theater, and I was pretty. Nice. That was also basically, they, that was just a rehab. That was the first few episodes of Super was the resurrection of Frieza or whatever. It was the exact same thing. Yeah. And that was good. I mean, Dragon Ball is Dragon Ball. It's You know you know what you're getting. You know People are going to stand across from each other and power up and shoot stuff at each other and die and resurrect. and Dragon Ball.
0: There's something simple and awesome about that. This is why I like your guys' work in the retro FPSs especially, is it's got a clear goal, and it's simple, but it works.
2: Can't complain. Yeah, we do, we try to... Uh, We try to take it easy and have fun.
0: For sure. So, Zach, where are you kind of stand on on Rifter FPS? I know that you were kind of, like, talking a little bit about some of your history on it.
1: Yeah, I mean, I didn't have any kind of good computer for anything like that back in the day. Like, uh, we had super, super baseline enough to learn computers. I was the guy uh, in the family. They were like, we got a computer. You're the young one. You're going to learn to use it and do stuff for us. Yep. I got to play a little bit of Doom and stuff like that, but my family didn't like that sort of thing. So, a lot of, like shooters of any kind were, were not something I could play when I was young. So really, my I don't think I've played but one Quake. And I don't remember which one it was. want to say early 2000s, late 2000s is the only Quake I've played.
0: Oh god, that could have been the multiplayer one.
1: Uh... I can't remember. Isaac loved it, but it was 3D, really nice graphics, not retro. Hmm. Yeah, I played the old Doom, uh, and not all of the chapters. I didn't even know there were more chapters for like another five or six years.
0: Man, new Doom or old Doom got the newest chapter with Sigil. Have you played that? That's pretty cool.
1: Yeah, I know. I watched some of the stuff from it, but I haven't actually played it. now. I don't have old Doom on the on this system actually.
2: Dave, have you played that one? What Sigil? Yeah, it's fucking hard. yeah it is (laughs) it's really it's like oh man it's the most fuck you episode of anything ever like I appreciate the design but man it's just not for me I like you know I like Doom Mods where you're just running around shotgunning stuff and having fun not like Trying to, you know, get over insta-death pits and fucking crusher rooms and, you know, hitting a switch and a bunch of barons of hell show up behind you. It's just like, every every time you turn around, it's like, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. Not my kind of, not, you know, not what I would call fun, but...
0: I spent so much time trying to get through the crusher rooms. Yeah, That's I just, some, I just, parts. I just, yeah, I just, I DQD'd through that shit. I was like, I'm over it.
2: Like, there's an invulnerability sphere, like, over, like, a secret near it, but it doesn't last long enough to get through it. It's also very contra-ish, where, like... Like once you memorize what's where, you can play through it again. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, the whole thing with the Crusher Room, it's like, once you realize what you have to shoot and where the actual door is, like, sure, you can do it. But the first time, you're like, well, fucking, I'm just trying to get through this. And it's very annoying. You got chain gunners everywhere. It's just, mm.
0: Yeah, that definitely gets better with multiple playthroughs, because I think the second or third time I played through it, because I just spent a weekend on it or something, I felt a little better.
2: Yeah, I just uh, not for me.
0: I think it's really cool, though, that we have a developer that worked on doom you know back in 20 30 years ago and then came back to revisit it to make another episode i think yeah that's and i mean
2: it was romero and john's never really stopped making doom levels you know every he's, yeah he's, every few years he'll put out something or do something and i mean and you know john could fart and doom fans would be like oh my god this fart's amazing it's the greatest fart i've ever smelled <laughs> for sure <laughs> So, you know, when he decided to do a whole new episode, it was cool. Plus, he did, like, that big box with Limited Run, which was pretty sweet, with, like, all the fucking 666
0: shit on it. Yeah, the artwork is pretty ballin'. Yeah,
2: I mean, that was cool. Honestly, I think that stuff's cooler than the WAD itself. And the soundtrack is really good, the MIDI soundtrack, by this dude named uh, James Paddock, who I, uh, I met him at QuakeCon. Really, <laughs> na- really nice dude, really awesome. Uh, also, yeah, so we had Buckethead do, like, like um, a full-on soundtrack. That's the one that I played with. Yeah, I couldn't get into that at all. I fucking put the MIDI music on and it. Then it goes so much better. I don't know how much money he paid Buckethead to do that soundtrack, but it was too much.
0: <laughs> I thought it was fine, but yeah.
2: I li- uh-huh. Yeah, I like Buckethead in small doses, like, you know, like a solo here or there, like complete songs yeah. from that dude or like a bit much. You know, it's just a lot of hammer tapping and fucking I don't know. Buckethead uh, and <laughs> stuff. And it's very like really Buckethead twenty nineteen, that's who you went with? But the MIDI soundtrack was really good. But yeah, sigil was a thing. I love you know, everybody, there's all, you know, but I like, I like Doom wads that really do crazy or more fun stuff, like Golden Souls 3, I think the demo's just out now, and that basically turns Doom into Super Mario 64. All right. <laughs> That's wild. Yeah, you're just like running around collecting stars, bouncing off walls and everything. It's, it's, if you haven't checked it out, go check that one out. And I like stuff like that, you know, I, you know, I don't like, you know, Romero, fuck you, Is the death doom wads i like fun jumpy shooty doom wads but that's the cool thing about the doom community there's something for
0: everyone that is very true Mm -hmm. there's
2: something out there you can think of someone has probably made
0: it in doom to the extremes everything from do you want to play the original aliens film in doom to do you want to fuck demons as hentai (laughs) (laughs) H
2: doom is definitely a thing yeah mike we know that guy he's working on some stuff for us for uh, dusk updates oh
0: That's That could be interesting, I guess. Yeah, no, not like hentai
2: stuff. I mean, he could do that if he wants, but he's working on some uh, some cool pixel art stuff for us. Oh,
0: nice. Very cool. Mm.
2: Does not uh, involve fucking the characters.
0: Ah, oh, it's a shame. We all wanted the Wendigo. <laughs> Somebody on
2: Twitter drew, like, all of the monsters, like, in sexy versions, and I was like, god damn <laughs> <laughs>
0: Of course. <laughs> kick you out of the discord
2: <laughs> yeah and it was uh, it was really funny because they they got they, they like did one they did like side by sides of all then they got to the fork maidens it was like already hot <laughs> 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 you know those are the you know the farmer's wives with the pitchforks yeah yeah and it just he just said doesn't need to do anything already hot
0: and i was like well well (laughs) alrighty. well yeah i actually played through dusk like i played through the first episode when it was just available and then when two came out i played from one to two again and then three and one to three so it's been pretty wild to see how that game's evolved and i highly recommend both dusk and a medieval i can already tell i'm gonna really like a medieval but dusk i've just been kind of touting ever since it's came out i've really enjoyed it yeah you have
1: i remember watching you play through it too
0: there's a video on our youtube it's not a great video but it is a video (laughs) I don't know, retro FPSs for whatever reason, I'm fascinated by, because, again, I didn't play them growing up, but now they're like, I think they're super awesome.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, there's something for everyone, there's so many, you can, the old ones are so easy to get into, there's been so many HD remasters, even stuff like Turok, which was, you know, only on N64 originally, now has great PC versions, thanks to the guys at Night Dive. Yeah, I gotta pick those up. There's something for everyone, if you liked, you know, if you liked the build engine games, there's new stuff like that, if you liked, you know, Quake-style stuff, there's new stuff like that. if you like the old wolf 3D you know fixed you know fixed axis no un- looking up and down type stuff there's stuff like that now there's something for everyone uh, you know, it's the, crazy. Even stuff that's you know more like half life, unreal. Uh obviously with the medieval, it's like very much like Hexen and Heretic. There's something for everyone who likes the old shooters from the uh the nineties and two thousands, so it's it's good. And I think there's enough of them now. I was talking we've been talking to guys. I think like, are we done with the retro FPS? This like it's like it's <laughs> like enough. Could we move on and like and play other stuff? And I was like, Yes, we're gonna go back to isometric nah. CCGs, nah, the time. I hope.
0: There you go, right in time for Bulgers Gate three whenever yeah, that turns yeah.
2: out. Yeah, I'm excited for that. I actually Actually, the funny thing is I have not played the new Divinity games, which is crazy. I oh, love, I haven't either. That's probably my favorite genre is isometric CRPGs. I love, like, the old Fallout and Baldur's Gate.
0: <coughs>
1: oh, I love Baldur's Gate.
0: God, I used to play one called Dungeon Siege.
2: Yeah, Dungeon Siege. Was, I mean, there was so many.
0: Yeah. Divinity Original
2: Sin, apparently those games are, like, the best, like, you know, new versions of the isometric CRPGs. I just haven't had time because, also, you know, those games are, you know, 80, 120-hour games. That's hilarious. Yeah. So I have to yeah, them up. but those guys, Larry and, you know, they're working on Baldur's Gate. 3 which should be very very
0: cool I love this era that we're in in gaming now that it's not just a pursuit of like high def graphics it's doing all these different spins on classic designs and we're really starting to focus on the actual design of a game rather than pushing the envelope all the time
2: yeah I think uh, it's there's we're in a really cool time where there's there is absolutely something for everyone. Whether you like you know you know even Call of Duty now is like really come into its own again. Like everyone says the new Modern Warfare is just like balls to the wall, awesome. You know it's got you know the best graphics, the best gameplay, the best everything. It's basically Battlefield now. They're like they finally just like fuck it. We're just gonna make it. We're just gonna turn Call of Duty into the Battlefield. And everyone's like
0: yeah. As long as they don't put microtransactions in after the fact, I'm fine with it. I'm sure. I mean, it's Activision.
2: I'm sure they will. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Whatever. I'll live. And then you've got, you know, stuff like, you know, 8-bit stuff like Celeste, which is, you know, uh, the awards. And then there's everything in between, right? Mm -hmm. Nobody should be complaining that they don't have any games to play. They should be complaining that there's too many games to play and they'll never get to the wall.
0: Yep, that's the big complaint. All right, Dave, so if we wanted to find you on the internet somewhere, I mean, what is the best place? Seems like Twitter and Discord might be the place.
2: Yeah, at Twitter, join our Discord, discord.gg newblood. Uh, I am at Dave Oshra O-S-H-R-Y, on Twitter. You can find our games at newblood.games, or, you know, you can go to notfortnite.com, uh, money. <laughs> drinkmore.vodka, these are all actual URLs that I own, PewDiePie.exposed, I own that one too for some dumb reason.
0: Your guys' URLs are hysterical, I forgot to mention
2: that. Yeah, <laughs> com, that's a good one. <laughs> yeah you can find us anywhere there but yeah mostly discord.gg slash newblood find us on twitter come hang out talk to us about our stupid games and that's about it
0: perfect zach where are we finding you my friend
1: you're gonna find me as always on twitter at exquisite underscore liar and then pretty much any other social media outlet not an outlet whatever they are platforms just as exquisite liar all one word
0: and of course i am at the number four ever classic 105 on twitter if you want to find me directly you can also hit up our joint twitter forever x classic and you can also find pretty much anything we do at forever classic com. so as always if you do enjoy our show give us a follow on whatever social media we've got a patreon i guess uh yeah check us out and as always stay cool